0: Welcome to Light of the Southwest, and as you can see, I'm surrounded by my friends, Harold and Lois Holliday, and special guest, Avi Lipkin. Good to be (laughs) here. We had such a good time, and the last time we were together, uh, we wanted to come back and do it again. And I have asked uh, Lois to share a letter that came in that I just thought was so special, We've got to know, you've got to know, that other people are writing. There's a stack of letters back there. But here's one that I want want you to hear, okay?
1: This one really is special. It says, Dear Tommy, Corey, and team, (laughs) it is so good to see GLC returning to the friendly light of the Southwest interviews with so many local people who are working in the harvest fields. Seeing Avi Lipkin again and David Wilder renewed our hearts toward Israel and all they are going through. What a wonderful witness is being shown as friends come forth to help energize the programming at GLC. That is what being a part of the body of Christ is all about. Bearing one another's burdens, helping when help is needed. God bless you as he shows you through your ministry how the body of Christ is supposed to work together. May all the seeds of love, sacrifice, time, and giving be multiplied back to you 100-fold. To God be the glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful letter. a beautiful letter. And
0: I was reading the letters that had come in the other day, and it's so encouraging, just like that, you know, to, to know that you people are loving GLC, you're still praying for us, still supporting us, which reminds me, I forgot to ask you last night to help us. (laughs) You know, I'm not good at that. You know, I'm not good at that. I never have been. But, you know, you guys help me. You know, you don't know how much it costs to bring the gospel to you. Uh, it's an incredible cost. And right now, we really need your help. We can't even hire crews. These boys and ladies come in after a day of work and volunteer to do these programs. And we just ask the Lord to really bless them and bless GLC so we can bless them, and all this equipment, everything, and and I think they have the. Uh, yeah, there you go. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we have the raindrop that is a dollar to thirty dollars a month. There's the water bearer that's thirty dollars to seventy-five dollars a month. Um, Operations is 75 to 150 a month, and growth is 150 or more. But you don't have to be tied into that. Anything you want to send, the help is needed, it's necessary. Uh, We can't do this by ourselves, and we appreciate, I appreciate, all the volunteer work that's going forth out here. Uh, I'm so glad to see Light of the Southwest moving on.
2: So oh, me too. y'all get
1: behind Tommy and, <laughs> and GLC and, and, and y'all send us some money and say, we want to be in on the work of the Lord also.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is so faithful to, he keeps track and he rewards. And there's just no denying that. It works. It, it does. Harold, you want to add anything?
1: We're just expecting to have a really good program. I've been uh, warned it's going to be pretty fast. I think so. And very interesting.
0: Yes. Well, I'm mm-hmm. excited to hear it. I am, too. We had such a good program last time, and Avi mm-hmm. promised this one's going to be a barn burner. And so, when he
1: got through, I thought... Are we done? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wanted to hear more, and he <clears> said, "No, it's going to be a big surprise. You're going to have to wait <laughs> till tomorrow it's night." It's the fastest
2: hour you spend.
1: It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yes. Avi, thank
0: you for making an effort to be with us. Great
2: to be back. Great to be at home here with you guys again.
1: <laughs> well, we're glad you feel at home. Very much. We are. Yeah. We sure are. Well.
2: You know, when I was with you many, many years ago, um, it was always a highlight for me to come out to Odessa and be with you and other good people here in town that you know.
0: Right. And
2: uh, the other people here in town are still here, and GLC is still here and making a big comeback. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you uh, before I do my message um, Israel belongs to Jews, to Israel, and to Christians to America, to Christians all over the world, Yes. and we are facing today a threat to Judeo-Christian Western civilization and democracy. Yes, certainly Some people are. don't like the word democracy, they say, no, no, we like a republic. A republic, okay, <laughs> for which it stands, one nation under God. Um, GLC is such an important tool to get God's message out, God's learning channel, to get it out to the public. And um, we are now in a time where we should not be afraid. I know that there are threatening uh, scenarios surrounding us politically, but uh, the truth is the truth. And God tells us not to be afraid because if God is with us, who can be against us? Uh, I come here as an American born Jew who has been in Israel 53 years. Uh, I served in the Israeli army uh, in different functions 30 years. Um, I've been trained uh, to represent Israel. That's what I'm going to be doing in the next two hours. Uh, GLC uh, is an important recipient of the message and then sharing the message with people in this part of the country. And, you know, I have to tell you, I I get today emails from people living in Florida who used to live in Texas or New Mexico, and they they saw me first on GLC. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. then they moved to other parts of the country, mm-hmm. and they write to me to this day. Mm-hmm. So, so I know that there, there were tens of thousands of people, if not more, who watched the shows that you know I did with, uh, with Jim and uh, Jackie or with uh, Al Rest in Peace and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a tool of God. It has to be strengthened and and really, really uh, put back on the map like it should be, and and it will happen.
0: Al and I were so happy, and and I know Harold and Lois, too, to be informed about what uh, really what the relationship with Israel and Christians are, because the church basically is really ignorant of its roots.
2: I will be sharing in the next two hours things that every pastor, and forgive me for saying every priest also, a Catholic, a Protestant, doesn't matter. There are things that Americans need to know. They're not being told by the media. And this is going to be a combination of modern political uh, savvy, but it's also gonna be Bible teaching. And because the Bible is the truth, uh, when you have the truth, uh, you have all the weapons you need to win. Amen. And uh, we Jews and Christians together are in this. And like I said in the last shows, you know, either we hang together or we hang separately. Mm-hmm. And there are enemies out there, which I'm going to be talking about uh, during the message, that do not like Christians and do not like Jews. And usually that's the case. Anyone who doesn't right. like a Jew doesn't like a Christian. Sure. And anyone who doesn't like right. a Christian doesn't like a Jew. Right. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm ready to go whenever Let's you go. are. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, I started speaking in churches 31 years ago, and about 20 years ago, uh, all of a sudden I realized that the Christians living in Israel do not have representation in the Knesset, Mm -hmm. in our Congress, in our Parliament. And as you know, and you were part of it, you helped me to mobilize support for the party. Uh, It took me 11 years uh, to raise $100,000 which did not go to me, it went to my lawyers. Mm -hmm. The party got registered uh, three years ago. We ran in four elections. Uh, So I'm very, very attuned uh, to what's happening now in Israel uh, with the new prime minister, Naftali Bennett, uh, what is going to happen uh, with Israel, what's going to happen in the Middle East. But there are things which are much deeper, which are not being discussed at all. And these are the things that I want to talk about on the show. Now, as I said, uh, I I started this party. I started uh, working on the party about 15 years ago. And um, I thought, you know, when you're living in Israel, you cannot say, I work only with Texas born agains. You've got to work (laughs) with all different types of Christians. Sure. Because in Israel, we have Catholics, we have Greek Orthodox, Mm -hmm. we have Russian Orthodox, Mm -hmm. we have Armenians, we have many, many different types. Mm -hmm. We have Messianics. And actually, we have very, very few um, born-agains from Texas. Oh, I'm sure. You're just not living there with us.
0: We're not. uh, Yet. Yet.
2: (laughs) Uh, So anyway, because we have Catholics and because the Catholic Church represents 1.2 million people, I said I think it would be important to set up a meeting with the Vatican ambassador uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, his name was, at that time, you know, he died since then, his name was Pietro Sambi. He was an archbishop. And uh, I called him, and uh, he said to me on the phone, he said, well, actually, I'm very, very busy. Uh, I can give you five minutes. I said, okay, I don't need more. I will come, I will give you my books, CDs, and DVDs. He said, excellent, I am an historian. I will study everything you give me, and then I'll send it to the library in the Vatican. And uh, of course, you know, when I'm with you guys here, I hear all the stories of, what I, that I hear about Catholicism and the uh-huh. Vatican. But I'm a Jew, and I'm a politician. Uh, it's a horrible <laughs> word to be a politician. I'm a politician. And, uh, and because the Catholic Church is so powerful, I said they should know what's going on. They should. And uh, so I went to see him, and I didn't uh, sit with him five minutes. I sat with him one hour.
1: Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> and
2: uh, it was a very good meeting. And uh, he got very excited. And he's an historian. And he, uh, I, I think it was challenging for him as an archbishop and, and as a, an ambassador. You have to remember the Vatican, whether you like it or not, the Vatican is a country.
1: It is and, a country. And uh, they,
2: they have a foreign ministry. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, it was my first um, liaison with a foreign country or with someone uh, who could be of importance to uh-huh. Israel and to the... Uh-huh. Bible block party. And then uh, during the talk, he said, you know, I have to tell you a secret. You have to promise me you won't tell anyone. I said, okay. He said to me, if you tell anyone, I'm going to be in big trouble with the Pope, you know, in in the Vatican. I said, okay, I won't tell anyone. Anyway, he had some kind of a transplant, I think a liver transplant, Mm -hmm. and it failed and he died. So he died. So I'm telling everyone. You can tell now. (laughs) Now I can tell it. (laughs) <laughs> he's, not, he, he's, he's in God's favor in heaven today, yes. I think. And anyway, Good man. He said to me like this. He said, as the Vatican ambassador to Israel, uh, I have to have outreach not only to the Jews and the Jewish state, but I have to have outreach also to the Muslims, and I have to have outreach uh, to all the different Christian denominations, which, as I mentioned before, you have Greek Orthodox oh, and oh, Russian nice. Orthodox and Armenians and, uh, and Protestants and others. And uh, so one day uh, I got called uh, to a meeting with the Waqf, W-A-Q-F. Waqf is the Muslim trusteeship, and they are like the leadership of all of the properties that are owned by the Muslims in Israel. And as you know, there are two big mosques, are the Omar Mosque and the Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Mm -hmm. And he went to meet with them. And, uh, you know, first I have to say one thing, if you remember last time I told you I'm a stamp collector and everything. Anyway, when I came to Israel to live in 1968, uh, I immediately ran to the old city because I wanted to go to the wall. And I passed a a souvenir shop, Arab souvenir shop, and I saw in the window something in philately, philately stamp collecting. In philately, it's known as a souvenir sheet. Souvenir sheet is like, it's a stamp, but it's big and it has other stamps on it. Uh-huh. The U.S. government issues souvenir sheets also. Okay. And it was a souvenir sheet of King Hussein uh, with, a, with the map of Israel. But the, it wasn't the map. It was the map of Jordan and Israel under the Jordanian flag. Right. In other words, Israel <laughs> has no right to exist. Right. Okay. Uh, we're used to this already. And when I was in the shop, uh, I bought a pamphlet. Okay, now this is 1968. The pamphlet was printed in Amman, Jordan, in 1962, six years before. It was a relatively new pamphlet. Mm-hmm. And it was a tour guide to the, Mount Moriah. Really? Yes. Now, I didn't bring it with me here, but I have it. I have copies of it. I have the original. It turns out somebody gave me the same pamphlet from 1924. Oh. A tour mm-hmm. of Mount Moriah. Wow. And it spoke about the temple of Solomon, the temple of Herod, and Jesus at the, mount, at the temple. He said, this is where the mosque is. It's built on top of the Jewish temple, and Solomon was there, and Herod was there, and Jesus was there. Mm-hmm. Jordanian tour guide. Okay. <laughs> 1964, Yasser Arafat and Ahmed Shukeri unless you're old like me, you don't know those names. I
0: know
2: Arafat. Arafat. Ahmed Shukri was actually the real founder of the PLO, the Palestine really? Liberation Organization, so-called. And then Arafat took over and got rid of Shukri. And in 1964, Arafat said, you know what? We are going to revise history. What does it mean, re- revise mm-hmm. history? There was no temple on the Temple Mount. Right. Mm-hmm. The Jews, and in parentheses, the Christians, have absolutely no rights on the Temple Mount because there was never a temple. In other words, they're denying the history of the temple on the Temple Mount. Yes. And they're saying this is just where Muhammad ascended to the heavens. Mm -hmm. No temple. Jews Mm -hmm. have no rights. Christians have. Anywhere you hear that Jews have no rights, guess what? Christians have no rights. Do you understand why I'm here? Right. We are together in this. Through thick and thin. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, getting back to the, uh, to the ambassador. He went to meet with these Muslim uh, important people. And they said to him, you know, we want to ask you a question. What do you think? Was there a temple, really, or was there not a temple? So this is after they started to, the Arabs started to revise the history. Mm-hmm. And the, the Vatican ambassador says... Well, you know, I'm the Vatican ambassador, I'm a diplomat, Uh, I represent the country, the Vatican, I am not here to debate about theological issues. I'm here to serve as a conduit between all the different religious groups, because all the religious groups are here in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. You're a man of God, you're an archbishop, you're going to answer us. Was there a temple or was there no temple? Because the Palestinians were saying there was no temple. This is already in the 70s or 80s. And uh, he kept trying to elude, because he's a diplomat. He doesn't want to start Mm -hmm. a religious battle with the Muslims over the temple. And they wouldn't let go. Okay, listen. If there was no temple on the Temple Mount, okay, are you with me? Where did Jesus overturn the money changers' tables? Mm -hmm. At the temple. Right. John 10, verse 22, Jesus visits the temple on Hanukkah, the feast of the dedication. Yes. And by the way, Hanukkah and Purim are very, very important holidays for Christians, not just for Jews, Mm -hmm. because had the the Persians uh, forced us to abandon Judaism uh, during the Purim celebration, there would be no Jesus. There wouldn't. Because Jesus mm-hmm. came 300 years later. Right. If the Greeks had de- defeated the Jews in Hanukkah in the Battle of the Maccabees, there'd be no Jesus. So right. the, the existence of Jesus, the existence of Christianity has its roots in Judaism. Absolutely. Yeah. Not, not in paganism. Okay. So he said, where did Jesus overturn the money changers' tables? Where did Jesus go on Hanukkah? Because Jesus was at the temple all the time, okay? And where did Jesus have his bar mitzvah when he was 12? Remember, left behind? Yeah. You read the book of Galatians, Jesus is at the temple. Yes. The apostle Paul, all the apostles, where were they? They were in Jerusalem at the temple.
1: Well, he said when they came to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane, if I'm correct, he said, I've been in the temple preaching all these times, teaching, maybe he said, why didn't, you, Why didn't you get me then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so n- he was there.
2: You're right. I didn't even know about that one. So good you know, good for you that you <laughs> remind well, me. Well, I
1: wish I could give you scripture in verse, but I can't.
2: Yeah. Well, I think anyone watching this show knows the scriptures just as well as you and I do. And I'm sure there are a lot of good people out there that cherish the Bible, love the Bible, love everything that God is telling us. But the point is, How can anyone say there was no temple? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that leads me to tell a joke. (laughs) Good. This joke, Uh, okay, you might not want me to tell the joke because it got me a three-year jail sentence when I was in Switzerland. I told this joke in Switzerland. I was in 23 German-speaking cities in Switzerland. They had a big problem with the Muslims. The Muslims have 400, uh, this is in 2009. The Muslims have 400 mosques in Switzerland. And, okay, the freedom of religion, they have must. But they wanted to put up minarets, you know, these tall towers, mm-hmm. yes. five times a day with loudspeakers. Akbar. You know, if you live within five mm-hmm. miles, oh, my. you're not going to be able to sleep at 4.30 mm-hmm. in the morning right. when they start with this nonsense. Right. I mean, this is noise pollution. It is. We have the problem in yes. Israel. We have okay. even legislation now cooking all the time to limit... The decibels uh, of the loudspeakers. It's terrible. It bothers everybody. It bothers the Muslims. So anyway, so they wanted to put up minarets at each mosque to broadcast loudly the victory of Islam over Christianity. Mm-hmm. That was my message. And so I told the joke. And the joke went basically like this. What's the difference? This is a very important joke. It's not really a funny joke. It's a very educational joke. What is the difference between neurotic people and psychotic people? Neurotic people dream about castles in the air. Psychotic people live in castles in the air. (laughs) And psychiatrists collect the rent. (laughs) So that's the joke. Okay, so then I take the joke and I say... Why was Adolf Hitler psychotic? Living in castles in the air. Because Adolf Hitler, firstly he was psychotic for many reasons, but the two reasons I'm gonna focus on, uh, firstly, he was gonna conquer the world, and secondly, he was gonna kill all the Jews. Now, why are these psychoses? Firstly, is it possible to conquer the world? No. Can anyone conquer the world? Nobody can conquer the world. The Persians, the Greeks, the Mongols, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, Anyone who thinks he can conquer the world is psychotic, living in castles in the air. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Hitler okay. was one of them. Okay. Secondly, he thought he could kill all the Jews. Can you kill all the Jews? No. Yeah. Now, there are two types of human beings. I, I try to make my, my message very simple. There are two kinds of human beings. There are those who believe in God and those who don't. This program that we're doing here is dedicated to the people who don't believe in God. I want every person who does not believe in God to watch this program and believe in God afterwards.
1: Oh, okay. yeah. Now, uh, And I want you
2: to know, God says hate the sin, but lo- love the sinner. He does. And I love the sinner. And This is why I came all the way to Odessa. We've got to get this message out, okay. Those people who believe in God know that you cannot kill all the Jews. Because it says in Jeremiah 31, there will be no more Jews on earth when the moon, the sun, and the stars stop shining. That's right. What is God saying? There will always be Jews. Mm-hmm. Right. And if all the Jews go, that means the sun, the moon, and the stars are not there anymore, which means That's the right. world is not there anymore. That's right. So you've got 2 billion people on the face of the earth today who are Christian, including 1.2 billion Catholics. This is one of the reasons why I went to the Catholic uh, Uh, ambassador Ambassador. and of course the Jews are are 14-15 million people only Mm -hmm. so let's say out of 7 billion population 2 billion believe in God 5 billion people on the face of the earth believe in other things or Mm -hmm. don't believe in anything Mm
0: -hmm. okay
2: now those who don't believe in God can do you think they they think that it's possible to kill all the Jews and the answer is no why what did God do to the Jews all these thousands of years God scattered the Jews to the four corners of the earth. Mm-hmm. So, if you cannot conquer the whole world, the four corners of the earth, you cannot reach all the Jews to kill them. So you understand why it's a psychosis to think that you can kill all the Jews. It's just not possible. You have to conquer the world to reach the Jews and to kill them. And also, I'll say something else also. There are many, many good Christians who believe in Christ and go to church and everything. They're Jewish.
0: They are. Mm-hmm.
2: By, by, by their genealogy, mm-hmm. they have Jewish blood. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, you, you're, I suppose you can agree with me. If you disagree... I
0: know it. What? Many don't know it.
2: Most people don't know it. Yeah. So, I think you'll agree with me that it is a psychosis to think you can conquer the world, and it is a psychosis to think you can kill the Jews. Okay. What does Islam believe? And I want you to know, I don't know what camera I'm looking at, but I love the Muslims. Middle. Muslims are great people. I love the Muslims, and you know what? In Israel, for example, 85% of the Palestinians have Jewish blood. They have Jewish origins. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. How can you hate people who maybe once were your family? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many Muslims who are peacekeeping, law-abiding people who really don't hate. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Also, 70% of the Muslims are illiterate. If you're illiterate, you can't read the Quran. You don't really know what they're saying in that religion. You're not guilty of what what the leaders do. So anyway, so what does Islam teach? And I'm gonna be sharing a little bit about Islam. This is very important because it deals directly with what's happening in Jerusalem and in Hebron and in the four places that my son Aaron has been very active with archeologically, proving the veracity of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So the first thing, okay, kill the Jews. The uh, Islamic thinking has a very well-known phrase. I cannot say that it's in the Quran, but it is a tradition where they say, we kill the Jews on Saturday because the Jews are the Saturday people. We kill the Christians on Sunday because the Christians are the Sunday people. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of good Sunday people out here in Texas. So they want to kill the Jews and the Christians. See, Hitler didn't have a plan to kill the Christians. So yeah, psychosis number one, conquer the world. They want to conquer the world. They want to kill the Jews. They want to kill the Christians. That's three psychoses. They actually outdo Hitler. The Hindus in India are one billion. Got to kill them too because they're pagans. The the Buddhists are two billion or more, including China. Now, I recommend to the Muslims not to mess with communist China. Communist China knows what to do. They don't have the ACLU. Right. (laughs) And... You know, I'm going to say something now, which might be newsworthy of this program the moment you air it. But America is pulling out of Afghanistan. I know. And because Mm -hmm. the Americans are pulling out of Afghanistan, uh, the Taliban are actually reconquering the country. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there are actually plans afoot to fly out children and women. And any Afghan who served as a translator, helped the U.S. military, They're flying them out of Kabul to bring them to America because the Taliban are going to kill them. Sure they will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, when America pulls out, there's going to be a vacuum. You're going to have Taliban, but Afghanistan is a wonderful country. Afghanistan is very rich in minerals. And you know what? Afghanistan lies exactly on the Silk Belt Road that China wants to build all the way to Europe. Mm Now, the Chinese have a very small border with Afghanistan. But the Chinese, I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised. Americans pull out, Chinese go in. The only difference is that the Chinese don't take prisoners. They don't. And so if the Taliban tried to fight the Chinese... What happened in, in, in China, in Xinjiang province with the Uyghurs, is going to happen in Afghanistan. The Chinese are going to make order mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the truth, I'm not against that. It's just a pity. The British lost in Afghanistan. The Russians lost in Afghanistan. The Americans lost, lost in Afghanistan. I want to see what happens when China goes in. China's going to go in. China's going to invest heavily in Afghanistan. And they're not going to tolerate any of the shenanigans of the Taliban. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe President Trump knew about it when he said we're going to pull out because he said, well, you know, Chinese are right there. Let the Chinese straighten it out. I, I'm, not, it's, I'm not saying that I'm a pro-China fan. I'm just saying right. that's the reality. No. In, yes. in military terms, there is no vacuum. Okay.
0: Absolutely.
2: So if the Muslims say kill the Buddhists, and you've got wars between the Buddhists and the Muslims in Myanmar, You have in in Thailand, you have in Philippines, you have in China. Yes. I don't know how many of your viewers know this or not. Do you know that Islam is forbidden in Japan?
0: I didn't know that.
2: There are some Muslims there, but they are told very clearly not to make any noise. They keep it to themselves. And China is very tough. They're, They're good with the Muslims who behave themselves. But any Turkic Muslim nationalists who rise up against the Chinese government... You can see what's happening in in, uh, Xinjiang. I am not saying what the Chinese are are doing is good, but I think they understand the threat that Islam is to China. Mm -hmm. I've written about it in my seven books Mm -hmm. over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, kill the Jew on Saturday, kill the Christian on Sunday, kill the Hindus and Buddhists any day, kill the blacks in Africa, enslave the blacks in Africa, and guess what? The Muslims kill each other in the name of Allah. Yes, Mm -hmm. they do. Yes. They hate each other. So I was in Switzerland. I said, so guess what? I said, Islam is not a religion. Islam is a criminal psychosis bent on the destruction of the entire human race. Because Allah is Satan and Allah cannot prove that he's greater than God until all those in the image of God are dead. <laughs> I said it in Switzerland. So the Muslims took me to court. I didn't even know about it. So I got a three-year jail sentence, but it was commuted to 10 years uh, years, uh, uh, probation uh, probation and a fine of $1,000, which the Christian uh, EDU party paid. I haven't been back to Switzerland since then, but uh, (laughs) I've got enough work in America. I just hope here in America that we don't have that same problem where, guess what? In America, no more freedom of speech. Right. Okay. So... My bottom line, and I'm gonna go into this heavily now, is Islam is not a religion, it is a criminal psychosis. It is not living in reality, it's living in La La Land. And so then my question eventually is, can you make peace with the Palestinians if they're living in La La Land? No. Can you make peace with anyone who is psychotic? No. It's like if somebody comes and says, uh, Tommy let's go to this insane asylum. There's a guy there who's a multi-billionaire. And he's gonna write us a check He's crazy. He's not gonna write a check Okay, so this is what we're dealing with now I do praise the Abraham Accords between Israel and certain Muslim countries I do praise every piece of agreement we do with the Muslims, mm-hmm. but in Islam. There's something called taqiyah. Mm-hmm. taqiyya means you tell a lie and then you break the peace agreement whenever you want. You know, you shake mm-hmm. hands, make peace. And then one day you say, guess what? You know, we can break the agreement when we're ready to. Right. This is a, a common knowledge in Islam. It is. I'm not making these things up. And I want to remind you also, you, you've met my wife, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Rachel was from Egypt. She left Egypt at age 20. And all our Mo- Muslim girlfriends in school used to say to her, we kill you on Saturday. We kill your Christian girlfriends on Sunday. My wife grew up with this. These are things you don't know here in Texas. You don't know what's going on in the Middle East. And a lot of liberal Jews attack me because I'm saying terrible racist things. I say, excuse me, you're not married to my wife. Because if you were married to my wife, you would know things about the Middle East which Americans don't know because Americans are in la-la land. We are. Americans know nothing about the Middle East. Okay.
1: We have the blessing... Of being secluded really and we don't know so continue
2: thank you thank you thank you so i'll add one more point also before i i would say before i get into my message you know we have a joke in the synagogues the rabbi gets up and says before i speak i'd like to say a few words (laughs) so i'm saying a few words now
0: i hope two hours is long enough
2: it isn't i know it isn't because my teachings are 27 hours. I, I don't know if you remember, many years ago, I did this with, uh, with uh, Al. I did it with your staff here.
0: Uh-huh.
2: You remember I did a 10-hour teaching, five I DVDs? I do. Five discs, mm-hmm. two hours each DVD. Mm-hmm. So this is just tickling the tip of the iceberg, it what is. we're doing here. It is. Okay. So we have um, an opposition that believes that the Jews have to die, the Christians have to die, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the blacks, and then they kill each other. Because as you know, there is this internecine war of 1,400 years where Shiites and Sunnis are slaughtering each other over what? Over territory, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. Over turf, mm-hmm. like mafia families. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, does God love the Jews? Yes.
1: yes he does. I want
2: your viewers to think about this. Does God love the Jews? The answer is yes. I think it's in the book of Zechariah, chapter 2. It says that the Jews are the apple of God's eye. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Yes, it says that. If we're the
2: apple of God's eye, you don't want to mess with the apple of God's eye. No, you don't. Okay.
1: I've read the Bible. He helps the Jews all the time.
2: Wait a second. (laughs) Does God love the Christians?
1: Yes, he does.
2: Why, in Romans 15, would God graft the Christians into the Jews if he hated either one of them?
0: That's right. right.
2: You have the root, Mm -hmm. you have the branches, but Mm -hmm. it's one tree. Yeah. Okay. Now the question gets more difficult. Does God hate the sinners or does he love the sinners?
1: He loves mm-hmm. them. He loves them. He So you have pagans. Pagans are sinners. Mm-hmm. But he loves them.
2: Does God want to kill him? No. No, because aren't they in the image of God?
1: They He's
0: are. not willing that any should perish, but that all come to the knowledge of
2: And be saved. And be saved. Okay, here comes the hardest question. Does God love the Muslims? Yes, he yes, does. he does. I love the Muslims too. So does God want the Muslims... <coughs> To kill each other? No. Does God want the Muslims to die? No. No, no He doesn't. He wants them to live. Mm-hmm. Now, Allah, the God of Islam, like I said before, wants to kill everybody. The Muslims kill each other in the name of Allah. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this in the last show that Allah, the moon crescent God, is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No. And in fact, there was a very big court case in Malaysia, you know, the Asian -Asian, nation, Malaysia, where the Christians, naively, were saying that the name of God is Allah. There are many Arabic-speaking Christians and others who say Allah, Mm -hmm. because Allah before Islam was God. Mm -hmm. So the Muslims took the Christians to court and said, you may not use Allah, this is only the God of the Muslims. This is not the God of anyone else. Do you remember the Ten Commandments? First commandment, I am Mm -hmm. the Lord your God. Second commandment, you shall have no other gods. Mm -hmm. So Allah, the moon crescent God, you see the moon crescent on top of the mosques. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
2: Well, that's not the God of the Jews and the Christians. Our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their God is the God of Ishmael and the moon crescent and the sword. Mm -hmm. And they even say that their religion is called Din Asaif. Din Asaif in Arabic means religion of the sword. Mm -hmm. And they glorify the killing and the use of the sword. And say that their God is greater. Who said he was greater than God? Satan. Satan. And their God is the greatest of all the liars. Who's the greatest of all the liars? Satan. Satan. And their God wants to kill the Jews. Is that God? No. So firstly, I wanted to establish that the God of Islam is not the God of the Jews and the Christians, but the opposite. So what's the opposite of God? Satan. Satan. So am I a good lawyer
0: in court? It sounds like it.
2: Okay. You know, there was this tourist who drove into New York City, into Manhattan, and he lowered his window and said, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? You know, where they have the concerts. And the New Yorker said, practice, practice. (laughs) I've been practicing 31 years. Okay, so... So their God is the God of war, the God of killing. I wanted to share a quote from Deuteronomy 17. I don't remember the exact verse, but everyone can read it. You can find it. It says in Deuteronomy 17, that's holy for the Christians, Deuteronomy 17. It is. It says, anyone in the gates of Israel, that in my opinion includes Christian America. Mm -hmm. Christian America Mm -hmm. is the gates of Israel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyone within the gates of Israel who prostrates to and worships and serves the moon, the sun and the stars Take them to the gates of the city and stone them. Wow. So if Allah is the moon crescent god in Arabic, Allah means Allah the moon god. Mm -hmm. This is the one pagan god that Muhammad would not abolish out of the 360 pagan gods. So if you don't know Islam, you don't even know who are they, what they believe in, what is the threat. And their plan is that their god is greater than our god, even if it means they have to kill all of us. Though most of Muslims don't want to kill anyone, but those who lead the their crusade, I mean, the crusade mm-hmm. is a Christian word, yeah. but lead their jihad. These people want to kill anyone who will not convert to Islam. Yes. Okay. One of the Arab store
1: owners, when we were over there, we was visiting with him, and he told us that he didn't want to be involved with all of their protest, and he didn't like it that he had been an Israeli citizen since it became a nation. It uh, He had never prospered like he has since it became a nation. But if he didn't close his store, when they called for their protest or their rioting or whatever they're doing, the next day he would be burned out and killed.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, th- there are many, many instances where the Jews bless and bless and bless the Muslims, mm-hmm. But then it's like a switch. Dr. Yeah. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, all mm-hmm. of a sudden they become, they, they, they yeah. become crazed yeah. because their God, Allah, makes them crazy. They're not mm-hmm. bad people. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you a little story. I don't think I ever told you this on any of the shows here. My wife, Rachel, she's my wife of 50 years, I mean, she's suffered with me 50 years. God
0: bless her. (laughs) Yeah, amen.
2: My wife is still a beautiful woman, but when she was younger, my wife served for 15 years as a TV announcer. So my wife, in Arabic, so my wife was a a TV star. Pretty. Mm -hmm. And all the Muslim men wanted to marry her. They didn't know she was Jewish. She spoke perfect Arabic. So anyway, in French Hill, in Jerusalem, where we used to live, There is a gas station there owned by a Jew, but the people who run it are Arabs, Palestinians, Muslims. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife, I'd be here in America working, preaching, and she'd be filling up the car with gas because she was alone there. She would take the car to be washed, change the oil at this gas station, which is run by the Muslims. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day they said to her, you know, Rachel, we have to tell you something. You know, we love you. You know, we want to marry you. We know you're married, so we can't marry you, but, I mean, we can wait, they said. Uh, But we we have to tell you something. You know that it says in Islam, in the Hadith, Hadith is a collection of uh, traditions, going back to Muhammad. In the Hadith, it says, on the day of judgment, there will be a final battle, and Muslims will kill every Jew on the face of the earth. And there will be some Jews who temporarily evade death, these Jews will hide behind rocks and trees, and on that day Allah will give mouths to the rocks and trees, and they will call out, oh Muslim pursuers, there is a Jew here hiding behind me, come and kill him. There is no Muslim who will deny what I just said. This is not hate speech, I'm just teaching about Islam. Now if I got up in the 1930s and I started speaking against Hitler, would that be racist? (laughs) Or if I got up and spoke against Tojo fascism in Japan, would that be racist? You know that there were English people who said that Winston Churchill in the 1930s, Winston Churchill was threatening the fraternal relations between the Germans and the English, and he should be put up against the wall and shot. People are saying that Winston Churchill should have been shot for being anti-German. He wasn't anti-German. He was anti-Nazi. So on the Day of Judgment, all the Jews die, and any Jew who thinks he can escape will be found, will be caught, will be killed. So they said to my wife, they said to her, you know, we love you and you see, we take, we give you red carpet treatment here. We, we don't want to hurt you, you know, but if you don't become a Muslim, we have to kill you. It goes back to this Hadith and, and Islamic teachings. Yeah. We still fill up with gas there because they're the nicest people. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's Dr. Jekyll, yeah. Mr. Hyde. When they are good, they are fantastic. All of a sudden, there's a switch, and then you have riots and shooting and fighting and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when Israel comes in and restores order, then they're nice people again. Okay? Now, you may say, if you're a Christian, well, that's a Jewish problem. That doesn't involve us. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you another hadith. These are important. They are. There's another hadith. On the Day of Judgment, Jesus Christ returns a second time as an Arabic-speaking Muslim warrior. Did you know that Jesus is a Muslim? No. It, there is no Muslim who will deny what I just said. Jesus is a Muslim. He's coming back as a second time as a Muslim. Arabic speaking, he's going to kill the Antichrist in the city of Lud, where they had the riots now. Mm-hmm. Did you know that the Antichrist is a Jew? Yes. Ask I any Muslim. That. The Antichrist is a Jew. Jesus is a Muslim. Jesus kills the Antichrist who's a Jew. Then he goes up to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem he prays with 400,000 Muslims, then he comes down, breaks the crosses, destroys the churches, destroys the synagogues, and on that day of judgment, all the Jews and Christians who have not converted to Islam will have their throats personally slit by Jesus Christ, the Muslim. Mm -mm. I'm telling you, ask any Mm -hmm. Muslim, did did I, what I said, is it true or not true? It's of course it's true. Because Allah has given the Muslims the victory over the Christians and the Jews. So are we dealing with rational people? No. Okay. So, by the way, I just finished my words. Now I want to start my message. Okay. I'm watching the clock. So, it's, Okay. So these, uh, these are the people we're dealing with. This, this is the ideology that we're facing. Now, I'm going to start with Hebron. I see that maybe the time will not be enough to go into Jerusalem, but so the next program we do will be on Jerusalem right. and in the fourth place my son has been involved in. Hebron is a very holy place for the Jewish people. Yes, it is. yes. There is a uh, the burial, uh, caves of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebekah, and Leah. And of course, Rachel is buried uh, near Bethlehem, mm-hmm. uh, up more to the north. It's holy for the Jews. And, and Herod, like the temple of Jerusalem, Herod built a temple in Hebron. Of course, later come the Muslim invasions. And then the Muslims conquered Hebron. They conquered the temple. And they built a mosque on top of Herod's synagogue. Wherever the Muslims conquered, they put a, a, a mosque and a minaret. Mm-hmm. You have this with Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. That was the holiest mm-hmm. church of the Greek Orthodox yeah. Church. And now it's a, it's a mosque. Mm-hmm. It used to be a museum, and pre- prime, the president of Turkey turned it into a mosque now. Now, you've heard of UNESCO. Oh, yeah. United Nations uh, uh, Educational, Social, uh, Cultural Organization. Mm -hmm. And these people are the most vicious anti-Semites in the world, and it's United Nations. Of course. And you know what they said? They said the Jews have no rights in Hebron. And if the Jews have no rights, guess what? Christians have no rights. Because they say it's an Islamic site, because the Muslims conquered it. Now, we're going to do a little Bible teaching now. Okay. Okay? Now, you know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham had two sons. Yes. Actually, he had more than two sons, but the the, the, the original narrative is Ishmael and Isaac. Mm -hmm. And Ishmael, many people don't realize this, uh, Ishmael was a wild donkey, a wild ass. That's what
0: the Bible says.
2: Now, if you're from Texas, you know what a wild donkey is, Mm -hmm. kicking in all directions. Mm -hmm. You can't get near a wild donkey. Okay. That was Ishmael. It says in the Bible. Mm -hmm. When Ishmael was 13, Isaac was born. And um, again, many Christians, many Jews don't really even know it. Abraham throws a party to honor um, Isaac when he began to eat regular food. You know, he wasn't uh, suckling anymore. Mm -hmm. And he would, you know, uh eat regular food. And it says there's something that Sarah saw Ishmael scoffing or mocking mm-hmm. Isaac, and so Sarah says, Out of the tribe. And many Christian women, after I, I would teach this in the churches, they say Sarah was a horrible woman. Why would she kick out his firstborn and only son Ishmael of thirteen years? Because he was scoffing or he was haughty? So I always say in the church, who here has never been haughty? Everybody has been haughty. Whoever says he's not haughty is naughty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, in the Hebrew, it says something else. You have to read the Bible in the Hebrew. It says that Ishmael sodomized and raped Isaac mm-hmm. because he was 17 and Isaac was 4, or 3 and 16. Mm-hmm. And if Sarah sees the son of Hagar, Hagar, Sodomizing her son, what are you gonna say? Have a good day. You kick them out of the tribe. But you've got to know Hebrew to know that that's what it really says. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 uh, King James is very sanitized. It oh, doesn't yes. really tell what what happens here. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole class on Saint J- on King James. I love the King James Bible. Anyway. So Ishmael is gone. Then. Isaac, uh, it says in chapter 22, Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac where?
0: On the Temple
2: mount. On the Temple Mount, on Mount Moriah.
0: Mount
2: Okay, doesn't say Ishmael. Okay, what is the Muslim narrative? That Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael were in Mecca at the Black Stone, and that Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael heard three genies You know that there are genies in the Quran, and in Islam, three genies came up to them and said, sacrifice Ishmael. So what did they do? They picked up stones and they threw stones at the three genies and chased them away. That's the Islamic narrative. Mm -hmm. And when Muslims go on Hajj to Mecca, the Saudi government built three tremendous cement columns and part of the Hajj, part of the pilgrimage, is to throw stones at these three columns. Representing the three genies, Mm -hmm. the three devils. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Is that the Judeo-Christian narrative? Not at all. Jerusalem Mm -hmm. is never mentioned once in the Quran. Never. Mm -hmm. Jerusalem is not holy for the Muslims at all. It's only to prevent the Jews and the Christians from having it. Again, I always say very liberally, Jews and Christians together. Okay. Of course, Christians don't know. Jews don't know. And very few people really care. That's true. Okay. So let's go to the next stage. I'm still watching the clock because I know time's going to run out. Jacob flees from Esau because Jacob got the first blessing. And uh, an interesting point, Esau, you know, Jacob goes off, marries his, uh, Rachel and Leah, who are his first cousins, daughters of Laban. And Esau marries uh, Bosmat, or Machalat, there are a number of names there, maybe two sisters. We don't even know if it's two different people because many times in the Bible, the same person has many names. Mm -hmm. So he marries the daughter or daughters of his uncle, Ishmael, Mm -hmm. the uncle who sodomized his father. Mm -hmm. There's anger there because Esau did not get the blessing. Jacob got the blessing. Mm -hmm. So now Esau, by marrying the daughter of his uncle, Ishmael, becomes an Ishmaelite. And we're going to deal with that further extended in a moment. Okay. So Jacob goes off to Padanaram. Aram. He marries the, the two daughters of uh, his uncle. Then coming back, Esau comes to greet him. He's afraid Esau's going to kill him. So Jacob gives Esau this tremendous offering of sheep and cattle mm-hmm. and all these things. And, Blocks mm-hmm. and Esau says, come live with us. He, he says, no, 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 no. We're going to the land of Abraham because Esau was where? In Saudi Arabia, or in Jordan, or both. So I ask a question. Why is the tomb of the patriarchs in Hebron not of any value or importance to the Muslims? Yet UNESCO says it belongs to the Muslims. Why is there no value to the Muslims? Why is UNESCO wrong? Okay, so now I ask a few hypothetical questions. Where is Ishmael buried? Does anyone know? I don't. Where is, where is Hagar buried? I don't know. Where is Esau buried? I
1: don't
2: know. Shouldn't Hagar, Hagar have been buried next to Sarah? Shouldn't Ishmael have been buried next to Isaac? Shouldn't Esau have been married next to Jacob? So where are they buried? And the answer is, this is Avi Lipkin's answer, Guess what? They weren't buried. They were eaten by the vultures. Oh, dear. (laughs) Now, wait a second. What does it say about these marauding uh, Ishmael and Esau clans? That they are fighting against all their brethren. It says Esau's hand will be against all his brethren's hands, and all their brethren's hands will be against him.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So you win 99 battles in the desert. You lose the 100th battle. Who buries you? Nobody. Nobody. And when you lose, everyone gets annihilated. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's why none of them are buried in, in, in Hebron. Because we, Jews and Christians, are the people of God. And those people who are fighters and killers and destroyers and torturers, they are the people of Satan. Mm-hmm. And they had better mm-hmm. straighten themselves out and come over to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, I have a Judeo-Christian party and I'm going on record right now saying I believe the Muslims should make a choice. Either convert to Judaism or Christianity. I don't care which one. Mm -hmm. But they better convert because Islam is not going to be around for very long.
0: Wow. God promises to destroy everyone that's wicked.
2: Not only wicked, praying to the moon, the sun, and the stars. Oh, yeah. This is not Mm -hmm. the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's... The story, in my opinion, of Hebron. Hebron belongs only to the Jews and by extension to the Christians mm-hmm. who revere the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And the lineage of Jesus is through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yes, also. It is. Yes, it is. Okay. I have a, a very short time. I see three and a half minutes. I'm going to talk a little bit about Jerusalem and then we will end the show and then we will go on in the next program uh, regarding the other four places now you know one of the problems we face and i know that aaron was here recently and he spoke about it and that is that there are a lot of people on earth who may call themselves jews or christians but nominally but they really don't believe in god right and there are many people who call themselves Jews or Christians, who say, well, really, this is all metaphor, and it's all uh, fables, and never happened. The whole Bible is fables, and never happened. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never existed. And we're going to talk about this in depth in the next program. All right. And I'm going to prove, my, actually, my son has proven, archaeologically, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob really did exist. Um, so we see the people not believing in God, not believing that Jerusalem existed. Then we see other stories going on where people don't believe. Oh, there was one thing very important I wanted to share. This will end the the program as far as I'm concerned. After the death of Sarah, you know, he sent away Hagar. Sarah died uh, probably around, she was like 127 or something, and, and he was 137. And then he remarries a woman by the name of Keturah. Mm-hmm. And it, so Abraham has more children in addition to Ishmael and uh, Isaac. Mm-hmm. One of the children is, is a very well-known name, uh, is, um, is Jeth- not Jethro, um, uh, Midian. You see in the Bible, Midianites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the three primary males who came out of Abraham were Ishmael, Midian, and Isaac. Okay, Two generations down We have a story of Joseph being Taken down to Egypt By a caravan Of Ishmaelites Midianites Because what happened was Abraham Sent Ishmael away and then he sent All the children of Keturah and the concubines With gifts, he sent them away also All to the east, which means Saudi Arabia and and Jordan And Only two generations away So when they found Joseph in the pit. And Joseph said, I am the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham, our common great-grandfather. Why wouldn't they just pick him up and send him home to his father? Because they hated him. Mm-hmm. Of because the lineage of Abraham, <laughs> Isaac, and Jacob got, got the inheritance of mm-hmm. Abraham, so they were hated. Mm-hmm. Later, probably in the next show, I will talk about Jethro coming out of Midian mm-hmm. and giving his daughter, Tzipora, to Moses. So, Moses, yes. so we have this interaction yeah. going on. It's very important to know the genealogies. Anyway, uh, i sorry sorry. It, it I, is incredibly I, I interesting, I hugged, interesting, too. on the shows. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and it's good to know that uh, there's historic proof of all of this, and we're going to find out about it. And just remember, we've got to have your help to keep these kind of messages coming to you, to educate you so, you're not a dumbbell and just believe in everything that comes down the pike. You need to know history. From your
2: government. Yeah.
0: <laughs> See, you a little bit. Welcome back to Light of the Southwest with I'm Tommy Cooper Harold and Lois Holiday, and Avi Lipkin and uh, we've been enjoying getting educated here and if you're enjoying getting educated and learning history chip in and help us we really need your help and it, it's really simple any amount up to what is it A dollar, a dollar, up to $30 is a a raindrop, and that's a monthly gift. And then a water bearer, $30 to $75 a month to be a water bearer. That that was the most popular uh, level we've had for decades. Jim Gaylor went, taking that water bearer bucket out across the desert and uh, Made, made it famous, but we're asking for you to help us today because we really do need your help. There are other levels, as much as you want to give, whenever you want to give, just pray about how you can help us and, and pray for us, okay? We thank you so much and appreciate every one of you that love GLC and that let us know because it's so encouraging when we hear from you. Okay, we're gonna get back to Avi, and we're going to learn a little more. Avi, okay, where are we going?
2: Well, uh, what I wanna do is pick up where we left off. Okay. Uh, I'll be rambling a little bit because I'm gonna be going into other periods, okay. and then coming back to Jerusalem again. And uh, you have to remember that uh, biblically, Jerusalem uh, does not really exist for us until after the uh, Temple of Solomon. Uh, King David actually was king in Hebron at first. We spoke about Hebron in the previous um, uh, segment. Uh, So Jerusalem comes a little later. And therefore, I want to talk a little bit about the invasions of the Israelites coming from Egypt into Saudi and then up to Jordan and then across the Jordan River, conquering the land of Israel. Um, this leads me to talk about uh, my, my son Aaron's uh, most popular teaching, uh, The Divine Choice, which talks about the altar of Joshua uh-huh. that was found uh, on top of Mount Ebal, up in the north, uh, uh, which is where the city of Nablus mm-hmm. is That's today. Is. Uh, of course, I want to talk about uh, Shiloh, which is also later. Um, Bethel is there from the time of Abraham, so we need to yes, talk it is. really about that maybe first. Um, and then also we have to talk about something. This is an archeological uh, discovery of mm-hmm. something called the giant footprints. Uh, there were seven have been found. There may be more. Wow! And uh, these giant footprints uh, are not made by a giant. They're made by uh, the Israelites, who uh, it was their proto uh, temple, which Ah. where they prayed and they had sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but but that is around 1200 BC. Okay. Wow! So all of this uh, is before Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So I want to first start with Bethel. Bethel um, is a place that is being uh, archeologically excavated to this day. Every year there's a season of digging. And um, I, uh, I'm not part of the digging, but I'm part of the touring <laughs> with my son. And my son made a DVD about Bethel. Um, and the remarkable thing is, I've been living in Israel 53 years. We always knew that uh, Bethel was an important place. Right. Uh, But as the digging has been progressing, they have been finding many, many relics of Jewish, Christian, and Muslim presence at Bethel. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the place where Abraham stood, where Abraham was promised by God to receive the land. So in a way, you could say, yes, this is holy for the Muslims too, because Abraham is their forefather too. They Mm -hmm. also claim descendancy from Abraham. So how do we know that Bethel really existed? How do we know that this is such an important place? And all of these things can be found in the DVDs that my son has produced. I'm hoping as soon as the bookstore is open again, you'll be able to- I hope so too. uh, You'll be able to offer them as well as my books and other books. Uh, We'll be the first if you want to come in and sign books and get that store on its feet again. Um, Abraham comes down from Iraq, Syria, Um, makes it into the Holy Land, and there's a mountain there called Bal Hatzor in Hebrew. Uh, The the place is mentioned also in rabbinic texts going back thousands of years. And God says, I'm gonna give you this land. And um, he establishes an altar there. Then Abraham heads south to Beersheba. So Bethel is kind of like, um, very briefly, an important place and where God reveals himself to Abraham. And you know, there are many people who say Abraham never existed, Uh, Isaac never existed, Jacob never existed. Uh, We are disproving all that now. Well, God
0: doesn't exist, so how could they?
2: Well, once you prove Mm -hmm. that everything God said exists, then God exists. (laughs) Okay, so that's why we are like lawyers in court and Mm -hmm. we are proving things that the minimalists, minimalists or the atheists, are saying that none of these things ever existed. So we really start the story with Jacob. Jacob flees from Esau. I kind of briefly said that in the Mm -hmm. previous teaching. And um, he's hiding out because he's afraid Esau's gonna come looking for him to kill him. And uh, it says in the Bible he puts his head on a stone. The stone is his pillow. Right. And we found the stone. Did you? It's a very, very smooth, easy, you could put your head on it and sleep, maybe put some clothing or something. But it, it looks like a pillow, really, a big pillow. Um, and then he has the dream of the ladder and the angels. Yes. Yes. So you can debate whether that happened or not. But <laughs> then um, he establishes, because he saw the angels, he establishes a pillar of rocks and anoints the rocks with oil to denote that this is a holy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he takes off because he's running to get away from uh, Esau. And like I said, he goes off to his uncle in Padanaram, Aram. And then he comes back uh, 20 years later and he establishes himself uh, in Bethel. Bethel becomes a very important place. And uh, when you go there today, you see something interesting. You see a Muslim-type building, like a small mosque. It's a tomb, actually, of a Muslim Mm
1: -hmm.
2: holy man. And then built on to, adjacent to that building, is a Christian crusader, uh, also like monument building Mm -hmm. connected with the Muslim. Now you'd ask yourself, why would the Muslims have a tomb there of a very important sheikh? Why would the Christians, crusaders, build adjacent to that? And then we start looking and we find a fortress. Fortress. That goes back to the time of david and solomon you know you you, you, really? you carbon date these things mm-hmm, yeah. it's all overrun with you know weeds and trees mm-hmm, oh, and, yeah. and there's a very ancient oak there which was not chopped down there's a reason it was not chopped down because the Muslims even said this is a holy place okay. the Muslims maintained the holiness of that place because it's from abraham uh-huh. okay now what we've discovered underground caves where they had oil press they had wine press really And hundreds of graves, because Jewish people wanted to be buried at Bethel because of the holiness of the place. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, Abraham is important to Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Mm -hmm. So all of these things are documented in my son's DVD. Cool. Gate of Heaven, it's called. Uh And by the way, people can order these things from libicantours.com, which is my son's uh, Internet site. He offers these DVDs. And so this proves, really, for, I mean, you might still not want to believe it, but that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob really existed, and they, that they had been there. They weren't buried there, but they had been uh, mm-hmm. been there.
0: They lived there.
2: Okay. So from there, we have to go briefly to Egypt. Okay, I'm going to go back again to okay. to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, uh-huh. who end up in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds maybe hard to believe, but uh, we were there in Egypt for three generations. Mm -hmm. And um, we were slaves for three three generations. So for example, in the case of Moses, Moses was the son of, his mother was Yochevet, Mm -hmm. and she was the daughter of Levi, and Levi was the uh, the son of uh, Jacob. Mm -hmm. Jacob came down, so there are three generations. Mm -hmm. And people in those days lived 150 years. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph was upset that he only lived 110 years. He had a short life. People lived 150, 200 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Egyptians uh, lived much shorter lives because there were a lot of sicknesses in Egypt, parasites and sicknesses and things. The Jews, because of the traditional style, I don't wanna say the kosher style, because there was not really kosher at that time, but they were shepherds and they only ate clean animals, mm-hmm. whereas the Egyptians ate a lot of things which are forbidden mm-hmm. to the Jews. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of uh, dietary laws comes out of Egypt because God is saying, don't be like the Egyptians and you will not have the sicknesses that they had. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to share something very shocking, perhaps, uh, to your viewers. Uh, the Isra- Israelites are in slavery. Oh, before that. Moses kills the taskmaster, remember right. that? Okay, right. now what happened before that? If you see the Cecil B. DeMille movie, The Ten Commandments, the movie starts with a procession, like a victory parade. And Moses is riding the first chariot. Moses was raised in the, in the house of Pharaoh. Yes, he was. And what happened was, and this is in the book of Josephus. I recommend everyone to read okay. Josephus. I know a lot of Christians have Josephus in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story about an invasion from deep in Africa uh, into Egypt, and they defeated the Egyptians. Ah. And uh, Pharaoh was basically left defenseless. He only had his, his guard, his Praetorian guard, and Moses said, give them to me. I will go and I will defeat these e- Ethiopians, or I think they were Sudanese, because Kush, in my opinion, is Sudan more mm-hmm. than it is Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moses defeats them. And one of the things that happens, according to Josephus, is that he besieges the city of these Ethiopians or Sudanese, whoever they were, and the daughter of the king of that city who had besieged Egypt sees Moses from the rampart. She's up on the wall. She sees Moses and she falls in love with him. Josephus. So she sneaks out through the back secret door, the back door, goes up to Moses and says, if you marry me, I will deliver the city to you without a drop of blood. Moses wins the war because he marries this lady from Africa. (laughs) Do you remember the part where it says that Miriam got leprosy (laughs) because she spoke (laughs) against the Cushite woman? Yes. That's not Zipporah. I
0: didn't think it was.
2: Zipporah is his cousin. Zipporah Uh is from Jethro. Uh Jethro is from Midian, therefore from Abraham. The people in Africa are descended from Ham and Canaan. Um, uh-huh. So that's 10, ten generations distant. Uh-huh. So his first wife was a woman from Africa. His second wife was Zipporah, the daughter of yeah, Jethro, who's his cousin. Okay. Uh-huh. So Moses kills the taskmaster. He has to flee. He marries the daughter of Jethro. Forty years later, he's now 80 years old. And um, God says to him at the burning bush, go back to Pharaoh and all the people who wanted to kill you are dead, go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. Now, it says in the book of Exodus, six times, let my people go. The second to the sixth time it says, so that they may serve the Lord in the desert. But the first one is different. It says, let my people go so that they may go around in circles in the desert.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
2: (laughs) now the King James, again,
0: doesn't say that. Doesn't say that.
2: King James says that they may celebrate the Lord in the desert. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to say something very funny now. You know the American slang expression, no way, Jose? Mm-hmm. Americans cannot say Jota. It's Spanish, Jota. <laughs> they can't say Jose. They say Jose. No mm-hmm. way, Jose. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> now, you have exactly the same thing between Hebrew and Arabic. Now, do you, you happen to remember how do you say holiday in Hebrew? Hug. Like Hag Sameach is Happy Holiday. <laughs> you got it. Okay, now, what do you call a pilgrim, Muslim pilgrim to Mecca? You call him a Hajj. Hajj. Okay, now the I'm married to an Egyptian woman, so I'm 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 used to the Egyptian accent. The Egyptians don't say Hajj, they say Hag, ha Hajj. And uh, no, they say hug because the the J becomes a G in Egyptian Arabic. Okay. So. The Saudis say Hajj, the Egyptians say Hag, and we say Hag, <laughs> it's the same word. It's going around in circles. This is important because I'm going to make a point in a moment. Because I believe personally that, uh, that we as pagans, we were pagans before the giving of the Torah at Mount mm-hmm. Sinai. Mm-hmm. and Moses was the understudy to Jethro. So he probably was there at the Blackstone, the Kaaba in Mecca. Muslims mm-hmm. believe that. I, I think in that sense, they're right. And so basically what he's saying is you have two religions. You have the Pyramid of Egypt, which is slavery, and you have the cube in Mecca. There was no Mecca at the time. It was just the cube, which was freedom in the desert. What is Moses saying to Pharaoh? Let my people go so we may be free. And mm-hmm. Pharaoh didn't like that because that went against... Pharaoh's religion.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Are you with me? I'm with you. Okay. So we, we finally get our freedom. We end up in, in Saudi Arabia. In, uh, uh, we go to the Blackstone, and there's lots of evil going on there, you know, the pagan customs. And so basically the Israelites say, okay, we're getting out of here. We're going up to Mount Sinai, which is in northern northwestern Saudi. That's my opinion. That's the opinion of Jim and Penny Caldwell also. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then we see in Deuteronomy 2, verse 2, God says, enough being encamped on this mountain, head north. Okay, so the Torah is a GPS. Head north to the land that I've promised you, the land of the Amorites. The land of the Amorites today is Jordan. Okay. So if we're heading north, where were we? We were south.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So we are 38 years in Saudi, and then we are two years to the north. We leave Mount Sinai, we're two years uh, in the north. And then we come down, you have to be in Israel to see this, there's a valley called the Yabok Valley, which empties out, not in front of Jericho, where that big battle was, Battle of Jericho, but a little further to the north. And the Israelites invade Samaria uh, from that valley, which is the path that uh, Abraham and Jacob took. And this is where the Adam Zartal testimony comes in. This is uh, Professor Adam Zartal. And what they did was they did a survey of that whole area and they found pottery of different places where they find these tremendous uh, footprints. Now, this last Saturday, which was the weekly reading of uh, uh, Akev, we're now talking about Uh, the month of, uh, end of July. Akif talks about wherever your feet will tread, I will give to you. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So when the Israelites marched and they decided to camp somewhere, they'd make a tremendous three-football fields size footprint. Really? Yeah. Now, for those people watching this show who speak uh, Hebrew, we have three festivals which are very important, which are pilgrimage festivals, mm-hmm. Passover, Pentecost, and uh, Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. And in Hebrew, these pilgrimages are called Aliya al-Rege'l. Aliya everyone thinks it means going up to Jerusalem. No, this is the revelation that we have now discovered. Aliya al means going up to the foot. Oh. Rege'l in Hebrew is the foot.
0: Uh-huh.
2: In other words, the footprints and the Israelites, what do the Muslims do? They go around in circles around the black stone. Mm-hmm. And we would go around in circles around the footprint.
0: Around the footprint.
2: Because the footprint was where we had conquered. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So they found right across the Jordan River a tremendous footprint, and this is called Footsteps of God. This is the DVD that my son produced with Adam Zartal about Uh this. And then what happened was, as they went up the Tirzah Valley to where? To Nablus, Mount Ebal. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
2: They put in another 6 of these footprints, in other words, as the Israelites settled, they would put in these footprints so that they could worship. Worship was in meaning in those days animal sacrifice. Yes, okay. it was. Mm-hmm. So that's Argamon. And then when they reached Mount Ebal, and this is something we also read about at this time in the Torah, God says to Joshua, "You know, Moses is dies on the other side of the Jordan." He says to Joshua, build a, a, a big altar and pronounce the six blessings and the six curses to
1: mm-hmm. all the
2: tribes mm-hmm. so that they, they won't forget God once they become rich. Right. Uh, a little thing I wanted to share, I think I shared it on the last show. I don't, I, I don't remember what I shared, nobody didn't share. But Deuteronomy 8, and this has to be repeated again, President, former President Bill Clinton had a sign over the Oval Office desk where he said, hey, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah, he did. I did. And so what So what? it says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8 has to be repeated again and again. God says the day will come that your gold will multiply and your flocks will multiply and your houses will multiply and everything you have will multiply, and then you will raise your fist up at God and say, I did it by myself, mm-hmm. by my own hand. And God says, no, it is... The, because of the power and strength which I gave you, you were able to achieve this wealth. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's in Deuteronomy 8. We read that last week in the Torah. So what we see here is we see the Israelites advancing as they go up to Mount Ebal, and we haven't really settled yet. We haven't divided up the land yet, but God is saying, you're gonna forget me. And here are gonna be the curses to, not that the six tribes who heard the curses are, are, are gonna be cursed, it's that there are warnings. And the six tribes that get the blessing also hear the curses. That if you go against God, you're gonna be cursed. This is very important for America today. This is, not, is. Just, not just for it Israel, is. for, but for all, all people.
0: Amen.
2: So, what happened was, very interestingly, About 150 years ago, 140 years ago, Christian archaeologists came to the land of Israel, which was at that time under Turkish rule. Mm -hmm. And these Christian archaeologists wanted to prove the Bible by finding the places that are mentioned in the Bible. And uh, they didn't succeed. There were places they couldn't find. So in the 1960s and 70s, israeli archaeologists who were socialists and atheists and didn't believe in god and said you see they didn't fight it it never happened you have to have archaeological proof to prove that the bible really happened right so anyway so adam zartal is who is a great hero in israel he's dead now but i i think he's a great hero Aaron definitely does And they're doing a survey of the whole Samaria area. And they they walk in a phalanx, you know, a line of men and women. And whenever they find pottery or arrowheads or coins or amulets or anything, they collect it and they register the places where they find it. So they're going up and down the valley, up and down the valley, up. And, you know, they don't find things. Then all of a sudden, they reach where on Mount Ebal the altar of Joshua was. And they find... Pottery, again. Pottery is when they're smashing the plates mm-hmm. after they had the, the uh, Bless uh, sacrifices. <coughs> Bless you. Excuse me. And then they see this tremendous mound of rocks. And what is this? So they start pulling the rocks out to see what it is because the rocks are covering something. And I make a very long story very short. They found uh, uh, an altar. Exactly the same dimensions as the altar on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Now, what happened was when, and we were there, that was the first real altar that we made in the Holy Land. Mm -hmm. And this is before Shiloh, and this is before Jerusalem. Right. So when we abandoned Mount Ebal, the altar of Joshua, the Israelites covered it up with rocks. Okay. And after you remove the rocks, which have nothing to do with what's really there, you see a beautiful temple. So my son made a DVD called Divine Choice where he talks about, where we have to choose between the blessings and the curses, mm-hmm. which is what we read now in Deuteronomy. Right. We also read it in Joshua. Yes. Okay. And they find their animal bones, burnt animal bones. They sent these animal bones to be analyzed and they're carbon dated to 1200 BC, and uh, they are kosher animals. They're not unclean animals like pigs and donkeys and mm-hmm. c- cats and rats and stuff. You know, they're clean. Mm-hmm. It was an Israelite is uh, was? sacred place. Mm-hmm. And so this proves, guess what? Joshua existed because that's the, that's the older of Joshua. Now, <laughs> wait a second. If Joshua existed, Moses existed. He did. It's just we don't know where Moses is buried, but he existed.
0: Well, God said... He wasn't going to be. Known you you, you cannot
2: talk about God with non believers. You have to come with this scientific proof. This is true. And uh, for example, it's one of the reasons why it's so important to read Josephus also, because Josephus is not the Bible. Josephus is, a, is an historian in he Rome. Is. Mm-hmm. And he talks mm-hmm. about Moses. Uh, also, in my yellow book called Return to Mecca, I talk about Greek authors who wrote about uh, the Israelites 300, 400 BC. And they were talking about Moses and things that he did in Egypt, which are not in the Bible. The Bible does not have it's amazing. an almanac on everything Moses did. Sure. OK, then we go to Shiloh. Now, what's the importance of Shiloh? The importance of Shiloh is that the atheists say David never existed, Saul never existed, uh, the prophet Samuel never existed, and so I have a little story. I think I mentioned it, that I was a stamp collector. I spoke about this. And I was trading stamps, and it was the Battle of Shiloh. But the Battle of Shiloh in Tennessee in 1862. (laughs) And my Hebrew teacher said, yeah, but there's one in Israel, too. But in 1962, when when this happened, we didn't know where Shiloh was because it was in Jordan, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: controlled by the Jordanians. Uh After 67, we uncover it little by little. And like I said before, they found a Greek... There are four Greek churches there, and they found the Greek church where the Mosaic said, may the Lord Jesus have mercy on the people of Shiloh. Because Shiloh existed, but it was destroyed by a massive earthquake that all of a sudden destroyed the whole Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Now, why is it important to prove that Shiloh existed? In order to prove that David, Saul, and uh, and prophet Samuel Samuel. existed. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And every year, they have an archeological dig, an additional season, And every year, they find new proof that that's Shiloh and these things really happen. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. It's not just wonderful. (laughs) This is is proving the veracity of the Bible, proving that God existed. The Bible is true. The Bible is not mythology. It's not fables.
0: Absolutely.
2: And so we have Footsteps. We have Divine Choice, Gate of Heaven, and The Forgotten Feast. So those are the four DVDs my son has. Uh, prepared. Uh, we've also translated with the blessing of Adam Zertal before he died to come out with his books in English.
0: Wonderful.
2: So actually, I have his books in my car now, and my son's going back to Israel. I'm going to be hawking his books, actually, tomorrow. Uh, there are people waiting for the books, so I'm going to bring them to the meeting tomorrow. There are people who want to know the latest news, innovations in archaeology in Israel. Because all of these things strengthen the faith. That Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes, yes, existed. That Moses and Joshua, yes, existed. That David, Saul, and and Prophet Samuel, yes, they existed. Amen. And these atheists don't stand a chance. So they better get their act together and surrender to God and and come to faith. Before it's too late. (laughs) So one of the things I was trying to say before was that when the Muslims and when the UNESCO come out and say, well, Jews have no rights in Hebron. Jews have no rights in Jerusalem. They're totally psychotic. They're totally crazy. They are. Because their yeah. God, Allah has made them crazy. Mm-hmm. And in the case of the United Nations, it's something called the one world government. Oh, yeah. That is against Jews and Christians because we have the faith. Mm-hmm. So these are things that I think were very important to share. We have some time still, and we can do other subjects, too. But these are things that are so important that I wanted to share, Um, because basically what I've done in these two programs, the last last one and this one, is to prove that the Bible is true. It's not just, uh, you know, I know it says in the New Testament that great is the person who does not see but believes. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're dealing with a world full of people who want to believe it uh, after they've seen it. Right. You know you know Missouri, the state of Missouri? Show me. The show me state. <laughs> and people are like people from uh, Missouri, and uh, they want to be shown. So what we're trying to do is to make it easier for people to come to faith.
0: It sure makes it exciting to have that proof. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe it, I have no doubt, but boy, to see the proof is just amazing.
2: And uh, one of the things I think is very important, which I don't uh, really talk about because I'm not qualified. I don't know really what has been discovered. But they are finding in, in Jerusalem, archaeologically, carbon dated proofs of wood and other things that, um, from the second temple and from the first temple. Wow. Wood that's been there 3,000 years. Wow. And... Um, from Lebanon? Yes, Lebanese cedar. Uh So anybody who says that this did not happen or doesn't belong to the Jews and the Christians, completely crazy. So I ask you politically, (laughs) are we going to make peace with people who are completely crazy? No,
0: we're
2: not. Because no matter what you do, they're going to lie. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, Allah is the greatest of all the liars.
0: Lions scream.
2: Uh, Yeah. In Arabic, uh, Allah's name is al-makr. Al-makr is the greatest of all the liars and deceivers. Sure. You know, in, in the United States and in the West, in the Judeo-Christian world, it is a sin to, to people lie, but it is a sin to lie. Mm-hmm. It is a virtue to tell the truth, but in the Middle East, you're a fool and an idiot and a weakling if you tell the truth. You always tell a lie, and the more you lie, the, the more honored you are. It's a completely different mindset than what we have here in the West.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's why they never accomplish anything.
2: They don't accomplish anything, and that's why you see Muslims emigrating to Christian countries or to Israel, but not vice versa. Mm-hmm. And wherever they go, it turns into desert. Sure. The only places that are not being turned into desert are, for example, the Emirates, where they're investing a lot of money. Saudi is beginning to invest a lot of money in uh, planting trees. Jordan has been planting trees. Turkey has a lot of trees. Um, but there are other countries which are, have gone to pot. I mean, the, 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 mm-hmm. the people have been fleeing. They're still fleeing. Mm-hmm. They're fleeing to Europe, fleeing to the U.S.
0: Uh, in one of the past programs, we've talked about um, uh, Turkey and its threat against actually the world today. And maybe you'd like to expound on that a little more. I'd, I'd be interested in hearing more about that.
2: Okay, well, firstly, uh, we have spoken about this in a previous program. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say uh, and give credit uh, first to the Turks uh, for having taken in our people, including my wife's family, uh, who were expelled from Spain in 1492. Uh Uh, Turkey uh, became really great in the 1500s, 1600s, I think to a great extent because many Jews and many Arabs from Spain joined the Turkish Empire and served the Turkish Empire. Um, Also, you have to remember another thing. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit of history before I come back to Turkey again. Okay. But it's very important. Um, My predecessor, my great, 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 whoever it was in the 1600s, was brought to Warsaw, Poland... Uh, And we were knighted by the King of Poland. My family was knighted by the King of Poland because we built the walls of Warsaw. Why did we build the walls of Warsaw? Because we were being attacked by the Turks, 1600s. In other words, the Turks were uh, trying to conquer Vienna, Austria, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were trying to conquer Kiev and Moscow and all these places in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. And the Jews, because they knew how to read and write, The king of Poland used them as tax collectors and administrators. And in 1648, uh, the Ukrainians rose up in revolt against the king of Poland because Poland controlled the Ukraine. And many Polish noblemen and Polish Catholic priests were slaughtered and half a million Jews were slaughtered out of one and a half million population. This was like the Nazi Holocaust, what happened to us in 1648 in the Ukraine. Another reason that the Jews were attacked was because Jews who were living in Turkey, which at that time bordered with the Ukraine and Poland, uh, many Jews lived there and they served the Sultan. So there was this problem perceived of dual loyalty. So the Jews were seen as enemies of the Ukrainians because they were with the Turks and they were with the Polish. So whoever rose up against the Ukrainians, against the Polish and the Turks that killed the Jews. Later, the Russians came in and the Russians started killing the Jews also. Um, there are things that uh, happened, for example, when the communists came to power, the Jews had been so slaughtered by, by the Tsarist regime and by uh, Ukrainians and Polish that many Jews became communists. You ask today why so many Jews vote Democrat today. Right. This is the tradition of Eastern Europe. To be against all those who killed us and so Mm -hmm. Americans never kill Jews, but uh, uh, There's this grudge against the cross a grudge against Christianity and I know it I'm from within this whole picture I understand it Uh, America has only blessed the Jews, you know, so you know Jews should not be communists or socialists um, With all the ramifications of of this and indeed Uh, I think I mentioned it uh, on a previous show that I met with a neo-Nazi for dinner. I didn't know he was a neo-Nazi until he told told me that all the Jews should be killed in America. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Muslims say all the Jews should be killed in America. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter says it, and Antifa says it. Uh, And so I predict the civil war in this country. But getting back to Turkey, so what happened was over the centuries, as of 1683... Turkey is little by little pushed back from Vienna, uh, from Poland, from Ukraine, back into uh, what is today Anatolia. And um, like I said before, the Jews were part of the Ottoman Empire. The Jews uh, also in Salonika, Saloniki in uh, Greece, uh, were very pro Turkish. Uh, And of course, when the Greeks fought for their independence, the Jews shifted their alliance over to the Greeks. But uh, you have this constant warfare of, uh, from 1683 all the way to, basically to today, where the Russians, uh, Tsarists pushed down. Uh, the Russians um, in 1854 killed, uh, according to a, a, a Circassian officer in the Israeli army, three million uh, Circassians were slaughtered. It was a the Holocaust. The, the, the Tsarist regime, which was Christian, killed the Circassian Turks, who were Muslim, And it's one of the reasons why the Turks killed one and a half million Armenians, because the Armenians were pro-Russian.
0: I wondered why.
2: So you have all these different groups fighting each other. um, uh, The Greeks, the Bulgarians, the Serbs were fighting the Muslims uh, because they had all been conquered by the Muslims. Um, So Turkey was basically chopped back down to size. Um, Turkey now is having a revival. Uh, one of the things I wanted to stress, which I have not mentioned yet, that 31% of the Turkish population is Shiite. Mm. 25% is Kurdish. Now they are Muslim, but the Turkish Turks, who are Sunnis, hate the 31% that are Shiite and the 26% 25% which are Kurdish. The Turkish Sunnis are only 44%. So we may be looking at some kind of a civil war one day in mm-hmm, Turkey
0: mm-hmm.
2: when all these groups decide to rise up and revolt. Don't forget that the Alawite Shiites in Turkey are the same as the Alawite Shiites in Syria who rule Syria today. Syria today and Turkey are enemies. Yes. Who's backing the Syrians? The Russians, mm-hmm. because the Russians are allied with the Shiites. The Americans in the West are allied with the Turks, or not, well, not the Turks, but the Sunnis so you know this is like the the makings of a perfect storm it is yeah Uh, and i I linked that up to the armageddon war which i saw Mm -hmm. uh, which i spoke about last time so uh turks great people arabs great people but the islamic agenda of conquest uh of never-ending conquest of vanquishing the Christians, vanquishing the Jews, vanquishing anyone who's not a Muslim. Uh, This is a recipe for disaster.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We are so ignorant of everything that's going on in the Middle East because we never hear anything about anything that's going on unless, you know, there was a big to do about Ukraine. But. I haven't even heard anything about that in a long
2: time. Now, about Ukraine, uh, I can add, uh, because this is kind of connected to Turkey. Um, Ukraine uh, is divided into two. You have Western Ukraine, which is primarily Catholic, mm-hmm. and you have Eastern Ukraine, which is primarily, primarily Russian Orthodox. Okay. Now, what happened was, as I mentioned before, uh, there were problems between the communist Stalinists and the Ukrainians. And uh, some estimates are 10, 20, 30 million uh, Ukrainians were starved to death by Stalin.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I remember that. And Khrushchev, who is Ukrainian by uh, ethnicity, after the death of Stalin, 1953, one of the first things Khrushchev did was to mollify the Ukrainians He said, we're going to give you more land. And so he took land from what belonged from Russia, gave it to the Ukrainians in 1953. That was called Khrushchev's Folly. If anybody looks up Khrushchev's Folly, you'll find this whole story. Now, those areas which were given over to Ukraine had all of the military industries of Russia, or most of them.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And so when all of a sudden the Ukrainians decided, we're gonna be independent, so Russia said, give us back our land. But they said, no, Khrushchev gave it to us. The Russians said Khrushchev had no right to give you Russian land. So, you know, I, I hope the Ukrainians will forgive me, but in this case, the Russians were right. They want their land back. Now, in the case of Crimea, the same Crimea was also Ukraine. But before Crimea was Ukraine, it was Turkey. Really? <laughs> Everybody's stealing land from everybody. Uh-huh. So it's, a, it's not a simple story. The question is, how many years do you go back before deciding whether someone is right or wrong? And in the end, everyone is right when you look at their own perspective mm-hmm. on the history. Sure. So Ukraine, Crimea. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where this all goes.
0: It certainly will.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, the Russians, I think, are, are not going to give up Crimea. They're not going to give up Eastern Uh, Ukraine, Um, I don't think the West should go to war over it. Um, I think the Ukrainians will have to be happy with what they have, uh, which means they are a landlocked country Mm -hmm. because the Russians took those things that were Russian, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't forget the Ukrainians and the Russians once were one people Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and they kind of split. So you have kind of like North-South Confederacy here, war, civil war here Mm -hmm. between the North and South. You know, aren't Southerners Americans? Yes. But there was a difference of opinion, so yes. the Ukrainians also broke away from the Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, I love history. I love uh, studying yeah, history, I and I love teaching history. Mm-hmm. And uh, you always have to remember in history, there are two sides to every coin. There are. Yeah.
0: Like in America today, we're, oh, my goodness, we're so torn in this country because of different opinions and... And lack of knowledge, really.
1: And so much anger, nobody wants yeah. to t- discuss it or talk about
2: it. Uh, what, I, what I will say, okay, now you'll forgive me now. Uh, here I am, Avi Lipkin, the Jew. I've been in a thousand churches of all denominations, and those are churches that would have me. Most churches don't want to have me.
0: Right.
2: And no synagogues want to have me because really? I teach the history that nobody wants to know. <laughs> so what happens is, You have a country, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. So America's the happiest country in the world. Well, of course. (laughs) Okay, so when Avi Lipkin shows up and teaches, well, guess what? This happened and this happened, people say over our heads, we we don't want to hear about it. You may be right, but we don't want to hear about it. So there are a lot of pastors and a lot of rabbis, they don't want to shake the boat. Right. They want to have industrial peace and quiet in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. Because in every synagogue, and in every church you've got people who are right wing left wing you know people have different sure. approaches mm-hmm. and many times ideologically religiously even within the christian world i don't have to tell you that there are churches you know say well you have those ideas to go to the church down the street right same with synagogues
0: mm-hmm. really i
2: okay. was told that i'm sure in the synagogue where i was raised in great neck new york the rabbi said you know I, our family was there for 70 years also this new rabbi comes in and says well there's a a synagogue down the street they have your views go to that synagogue He threw me out i've never been back to that synagogue
0: <laughs>
2: by the way that synagogue dropped from 1400 families to 600 so he kind of kind mine. of destroyed the synagogue
0: oh mm-hmm. my
1: i've always had a burning note, uh, urge to know uh, like fire shut up in my bones to know what history has happened because If you don't know what happened, it will go full circle and happen again. Mm
2: -hmm. Again and again and again and again. Yes, it Mm
1: -hmm. does.
2: But I will say one thing, and I think this was the opening uh, in the first show that we did in this series. We did four shows. I said, America, according to the famous German philosopher Heinrich Heine, is a foolish nation. The Russians have wisdom, but they are... uh, uh, they are tyrannical and despotic. And America's foolish. So you ask if America is foolish, why is it that America is world power number one, always? And then to answer that, you go to Alexis de Tocqueville, a Frenchman who said America will be the greatest power on earth because the American people are good people mm-hmm. and their pulpits are on fire for the Lord. So he said, conversely, as soon as your pulpits are no longer on fire for the Lord, America loses its preeminence in the world. That's right. Okay, so America's like a cat. You throw the cat in the air, it lands on its feet. No matter how many mistakes America has made, America always comes out on top. Because
0: it, our pulpits were
2: on fire fiery, for the Lord,
0: but they're not anymore. Okay, no, wait we, a second. If we lose no, no, that. don't say
2: that. Don't say that. America's pulpits um, may be silent regarding certain things but the consistently the statistics that i receive are that 70% of the americans see themselves as christians and churchgoers. Mm-hmm. What i don't know is what they teach in the pulpits. But if you, god kind of like i don't think god is so orthodox he says well if you believe this or you believe that you're not one of mine. God says all those who proclaim the faith they're my children, you know? So All I can say is, and it sounds crazy coming from a Jew like me, but I say I preach Christian revival. Yes, you do. Because the future of this country must be like the past, not coming and removing God and removing Israel, you know, from the the party plank, Mm -hmm. party caucus. Um, And that scares me. Anytime
1: people remove God, they are at the losing end of that situation. Because then it's you're right. not
2: foolish in the Lord. You're just foolish. Amen. If you take the Lord out, you're not foolish in the Lord. Yeah. You're just foolish. And that's that's what I'm afraid this country could happen unless we have a revival in this country.
0: Amen.
2: And I told you I hope to come back October, November and go out to California because right. they asked me to come out and help them with the revival. Uh-huh. Because they're beginning to have a revival in California. So I hope that indeed happens.
0: I bet it I does. Do too. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it happens happen. I have faith in
2: America. I think America, there is no country that can replace America. And America will be always the first power in the world.
1: It's crucial for America that we don't leave God out and lose God. Right. right. And and Mm -hmm. the more the generations progress forward, I know how much it's changed in my lifetime. I can't imagine two generations from now.
0: Isn't that the truth? Especially with the programs they have to um, teaching our children to hate each other
2: uh, by the way i wanted to say something maybe prophetic maybe not i think it's prophetic you know how all, romans 8:28, all things work for good for those who love the lord and serve His purposes now the present administration has done something which on the surface is a catastrophe which is the open borders, Mm -hmm. and we don't know who's coming across. And it could be that there are a lot of bad people coming across. But I see good people coming across. There are. And I think that especially in the Hispanic world, we see many people coming to the Lord. We see many people in the Hispanic churches leading the revival in this country Mm -hmm. today Mm -hmm. and becoming right-wing and Mm -hmm. believers in God. So I don't necessarily write off the immigration. I'm just saying what we need to do is filter out the terrorists.
0: They certainly need to do that.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm very optimistic about this country. There's room for more people. It just should be done in a proper manner. And I think, you know, many, many people in different parties have said this, um, that it's not right just to let any, any terrorists come in, when on the other hand, you've got people who faithfully and legally apply and they go through the waiting that's period right. and the testing and in other words, if you have two laws instead of one, then there is no law. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what scares me.
0: It, that this country is becoming that's lawless. Right. That's right. I think that's what scares most of us that are old enough to remember what law was. You yes. know, and, and,
2: uh, love, uh, love of the God, love of the country, love of the
0: people—that's mm-hmm. right. So we have—we have a job to do. We have a big job to do, and and we certainly need your help. We're not the only ones telling you these things, but we are one voice in the desert, and we—we we would love for there to be many, many more that are and there are many more who do preach uh, the Bible and do get people prepared for what lies ahead if America does not repent and we don't have a revival. And we're just believing that God is gonna give us the resources to do more, to uh, do things well, because right now we're really limping along and we really need your help. We need those faithful partners to keep being faithful. And and I'm so thankful for those names that I have been seeing on those envelopes that have come in this year. This is the first time I've been here. And so I'm, I'm going back through the mail in the, looking at the envelopes and and reading those letters, and it's so encouraging to hear from you, and so encouraging to see the same names many times, month after month, and just knowing you're there, supporting us, praying for us, and believing that God is gonna do a miracle, and we're gonna be blazing the gospel around the world again
1: you know, Tommy, God sees those names also. He does. He knows exactly who sends everything. He does. <laughs> and he doesn't forget about it, even though you might think, well, I, I don't think anybody knew, but God always knows. He does.
0: And, and so many of you, several of you, have asked for receipts right now it's impossible to send receipts. I'm praying that by the end of the year, we can send you an end of the year receipt, but uh, we're really working toward that. But there again, we've got to have financial help to implement everything, because right now we have a skeleton crew, and like these guys that are here tonight, taping this program, they're all volunteers. and. Uh, we're all volunteers. Everything that happens a around here is here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Because they're they're giving up their time after they've worked all day doing something right. else, and we appreciate it. And we know that you out there in TV Land do too. So um, just offer a special prayer and tell God thank you for the people that have offered their volunteer time to do this. Amen.
0: And pray about. What he would have you do maybe, maybe you could volunteer somewhere or maybe you haven't given financial support lately
1: well I got it, a big shock today I asked you? God what can I do for you and he said what I told you to do two weeks ago uh oh. <laughs> so well, I won't
0: ask you what that was. No, and I'm not
1: going to say not It it's very personal but yeah, really. but when God <laughs> speaks we sure need to answer the call. <laughs> okay.
2: That sounds like my wife. She said I say, What can I do for you? And my wife says to me, Well what you should have done two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well
1: we are all made in God's image. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I, I bet he didn't put things off two weeks. <laughs> and a lot of us have put things off a lot longer than two weeks. I can tell you that.
2: You know, it bothers me when my wife t- says things to me. When Rachel says to me, You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that. And it really bothers me because I feel like God is talking to me. <laughs> and God is he saying, is. You got to do this, you got to do that. And it's like God's voice, but it's a she. It's my wife.
1: <laughs> but it's coming through Rachel's mouth, right?
2: Right. <laughs> and the truth is that we've been together 50 years. I would not be alive today without her. And um, she she helped me to get to where I am today. So
0: We know she has. And, you know, and uh, we appreciate her and all the information that she has provided. And,
2: and now my son. Uh-huh. Because he was... I would say he's very, very much trained by his mom also Uh with the knowledge that she acquired. So I'm very, very proud that the next generation is starting to march also. But what a
1: blessing that he wants to bounce off of the foundation you have laid.
2: Right, and he has. That's Mm -hmm. great. And now I'm bouncing off the foundation that he has laid.
1: (laughs) That's great.
2: You had it on the show today. Really? Yeah.
0: It's great. It is wonderful that... uh, The family tradition goes on. We
2: both hope to be here again in October, November. So, um, I mean, we won't come at the same time. We'll stagger Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're talking about your volunteers, you know, who work for free and they come. We come all the way from Israel. We, I know it. To work for free for you. I know it. So, very important to get this ministry (laughs) up and running and covering the areas that it covered in the heyday and uh, Mm -hmm. do it again.
0: There, there is the internet. People watch on, and you right. know the uh, technology is wonderful if you know how to use it. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of technically challenged myself. And,
1: uh, Me too. I'm <laughs> a dinosaur.
2: <laughs> I'm a dinosaur too. So you got to get some younguns yep. get up and and share. Yeah. Yep. That's
0: what that's what I love about these young people that are here, and. Uh, the volunteers that come in are just precious. Well, Avi, it has just been really enlightening to have you here.
2: I love being here. Every moment I'm in Odessa, people think I'm nuts, but every time I'm in Odessa, I'm in heaven. I just love coming <laughs> out here. And uh, sometimes I even have a chance to smell the petroleum a little bit
0: uh, you know, a out while. in the field. And,
2: uh-huh. and uh,
0: This time it was kind of washed away, wasn't it?
2: Yes, yes. And, and our fields and are green. Th- this morning, this morning it was sixty-six degrees, and I went out with a short-sleeve shirt. And I said, "Well, is this Texas? Am I, am I dreaming?" In, in, in August, dog days of August, and it's sixty-six degrees. I, I know. In, in the afternoon, it warmed up a little. The yeah. cold front went through, but then uh, tomorrow we'll be back to suffering with ninety-five.
0: It will. And, yeah. And humidity way up there to match the temperature.
2: And everything is green. I'm very happy to be in Odessa when everything is green. Oh,
0: I know it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, and uh, the sunflowers down the highways
2: Mm -hmm. are beautiful. I love them. Mm -hmm.
0: I know the little creatures out there in those grassy areas are enjoying it too. And I know you are, where wherever you are, be thankful for what you have give God the glory for absolutely everything and when, when you begin to bless him he'll, he'll turn around and bless you some more he's just God and he loves us and it's, it's hard to um, comprehend how much he loves us but we want you to know that we want you to be aware that his word is his love letter to you He wants you to read it so you'll know him, know his character, know what we can expect, know what his promises are, and that he is a promise keeper deluxe. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We love you.